0: All right, so special interview here for CBS Sports Radio. I'm Vince Quinn. Joining me is somebody who, as soon as I heard about this book, I, I had to immediately get him on for an interview here. He, he wrote something called Demystifying Esports. I love that title, by the way. Demystifying Esports, a personal guide to the history and future of competitive gaming. Barrow Hewn is on the show.
1: Barrow, Hello. Hello, Vince. Thanks for having me, man, and thanks for the uh, also my correct family name pronunciation. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, see, well, and, and that's one of the funny things
0: too, because like I spent a lot of time when I really first got started in radio. One thing I worked with the guy who's an mm. impressionist. And so mm. he, ah, there for him, yep. yeah. So he was always obsessing about it, and then I would start getting in the car, and I'd hear people on the radio, and then I would start trying to impersonate them. And you realize like the different syllable pronunciations and everything. Yeah. So I feel like yeah. it's paid off in getting your name right. So that's a it, it wasn't all for naught. Uh, so so let's let's start first off with honestly. The fact that it's called demystifying esports, I just, I love the title. And like, what is the thought that goes into calling it demystifying
1: esports? Right, right. So, you know, I've been doing this thing called the esports advisory since 2018 at this uh, consulting firm. And um, like, I've been encountering a lot of clients. And what I ended up, you know, making a conclusion is that it's not, it's most of the time these business people or like the older generation like me, my, my parents' generation, they have a lot of interest about this new thing called eSports, but the fact that they never had that gaming experience when they grew up has created them some sort of a negative connotation towards gaming because it's something that they don't understand. But on the other hand, in the household that they live, either their children or their grandchildren are probably one or two are avid gamers. So we are having this clear generation gap going on and on my side, I have two boys there's eight and six and an avid uh, Fortnite player. And the same thing is happening. So my, for example, my mother-in-law who takes care of them on a daily basis is uh, in her 60s, a Japanese lady in her 60s, very calm person, but she still thinks that uh, gaming is evil and so one day she she was too pissed about my son so she ended up cutting the power charging cable of my younger son's uh, nintendo switch <laughs> so, wait, she like put scissors to it yeah yeah scissors to it so literally you know scissors <laughs> and cutted it so it's like you know and you know it's like wait a second there, there's something going on here <laughs> so I, I took that as a maybe there's a huge serious generation gap going on And, you know, so that's probably for my mother-in-law, it's probably a very mysterious subject for her. So I wanted to break that for her and probably uh, for that generation, more to say. So that's why I wrote the book, for example. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and, and I'm curious because we were talking a little bit before we started the interview and you mentioned that you're from Pittsburgh. Mm. So... For for you to be in Pittsburgh and have exposure to the U.S., but also you're in Japan right now as we're doing this interview. I mean, because I felt that energy in the U.S. And I guess is that the same that you've experienced in, in Japan and anywhere else you've traveled? Like, is it that, that same generation gap?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. So exactly what you said. So in, same in Japan, same in U.S. I also lived a little bit in Europe, so I, I kind of saw that, too. And I'm originally from Korea. So I, I, I saw it when it took off in the 90s with StarCraft. And yes. I was I was junior high, high schooler, just a normal normal player, and nobody really understood that this is going to be this big. Like today, it's like nobody even called that as esports back then. But then you know we and and even back then, like South Korea had a very very negative connotation around gaming, especially the parents' generation. But after that two decades, while I was growing up, I, I saw that gradually changing once it became a like a full time commitment for some people, like. For, professional players, which is common nowadays. So I, I wanted to share that experience and share that, you know, this esports thing is just not a buzzword overnight. It actually has a solid history and there's a reason why that people are really excited about it and the industry is growing really quickly right now. Well, yeah, and,
0: and that's what I'm so curious about to, to hear from, from you, because when you think about the future of it, it's such a fascinating thing. Cause like for me, I've studied, for example, the history of the, of the NFL. And I see like the, those were guys in the 1920s that worked at like a wheat factory and mm. they, they spent like football was their side job. You know what I mean? And you see how it grew and and all these other leagues that popped up and folded along the way. And like it was a crazy history of that. And and thinking about esports now, I mean, first off, what is like uh, what, what do you think of the state of it right now? And, and how much is it going to change in whether the next couple of years or is this sort of the finished
1: product? So, you know, that's a great question. I totally, totally agree with that, you know, analogy going on with the traditional sports, how it started, because I mean, you know, if you look into the back in history, like Stephen, the same in, here in Japan, if you look into like the Tokyo Olympics back in the 60s, it was pretty much the same situation that people didn't take, you know, traditional sports seriously, and it was not a full time occupation. It's as you said it's same thing happening with the esports profession and the way i see it so what i saw in korea over the past two decades i think that's sort of a good summary of uh esports history and, and in terms of the business so how it formed as a so as, as as you know it's very similar to a traditional sports business industry so there's a lot of ecosystem i mean there's a lot of stakeholders within the ecosystem that you know uh lets you know uh the the the, the capital to flow and Korea in a way, it was like a little nutshell, you know, a history and there was the ups and there was also the downs. There were the bubbles, there were the bubble pop, and there was that, you know, cultural integration that's going on. So as I, if, if I, if I put in mind that say history repeats, uh, I see it that in, in the global scale, it's been very, very exciting. And we may be in the very early, you know, stage of a more of a more and more rapid growth, or we could be at the peak of it. Or, you know, we, And at some point, we might see a bubble pop, which is not a bad thing, I would say, because same thing happened with the Internet and and whatever, you know, uh, all these great, great industry that's going on right now. And we might even see uh, in the future after the pop that uh, a lot of the society will, you know, accept this as as a cultural portion of it.
0: Well, yeah, and that, that's one of the things that I feel like is happening more and more, right? Because naturally, there's just more people that are growing up in it, and it's bigger in culture. Yeah. Like, uh, you right. know what I just watched the other day for the first time? I'd never seen it before, a uh, Disney movie, Wreck-It Ralph, and- it's just a bunch of video game references. It's a, it's a really good movie, but you know, it's like Bowser and Zangief from street fighter and they're in an emotional yeah. support group together. And you know what I mean? Like it's, it's hilarious, but yeah. that's, that's what kids are growing up on now. Like I grew up with an NES when I was a kid and, and now they get it in all these different great ways. So you get all these people that are into it. And now like, and, and I'm curious, you know, internationally, Like, uh, first off, where would you say, like, the most developed countries for this are? Is it, like, is it Korea? How developed is Japan? You know, where's the top end of this?
1: Yeah, so I would say, uh, in terms of, like, maturity, I would say Korea. South Korea is probably the top. So, at the... it's where the esports business ecosystem really uh, was formed, and which was in the '90s. So they have a, like about more than two decades of history going on right now. So a lot of exciting business, a new type of business going on. Uh, it's culturally already in- integrated. For example, while I was working at a, I was working at an automotive in- uh, company in Korea, and at their at their corporate social gathering, esports was official title, right? So along with. Uh, you have basketball matches, I mean, internal matches, right? Basketball matches, soccer matches, and ping pong matches, and there's StarCraft matches. Yeah. So it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like that level, right? So people just, you know, casually play StarCraft with each other, just like playing like basketball with each other. So so in terms of maturity, I think uh, Korea has probably advanced the most. But in terms of the market size, uh, China uh, or North American market is very, very big. It's the, it's the biggest. Japan, on the other hand, has a big gaming market on the other and esports wise it's pretty recent so it's started to took off sometimes around two years ago 2018 so it's relatively new over here which gives a lot of business potential by the way mm-hmm.
0: oh well yeah i can i mean the business potential is through the roof and it's so cool too because you see it on all these small levels right like i see different clans of like 70 people and they've got a Twitch account and they've got a couple of sponsors and a podcast. Like, there's just so many people that are making money in all these different ways, small scale, right. big scale. Somebody, I, I think I was actually talking with a, a mutual friend of ours that actually caused this interview. His name's Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. And uh, for, for Ryan, he was mentioning this idea that there's certain kids in esports, you could be like 16 years old and, and be a millionaire based on the kind of work that you're doing, right? Like, it's that serious.
1: Yeah, it's it's very serious business. So there was a a list uh, published by Forbes end of last year, and so like for example, like the top teams, esports team around the world, uh, they're valued uh, 450 million. That was end of last year, so about a year ago, and I'm sure it's more right now. So. I mean, it's a number c- comparable to say a professional traditional sports, depending on the you know uh, the, what what type of source we're talking about. But it's it's that big, and it's not only you know as a, as a player you can earn a lot of money if you're good at it, but also as a as an investor, there's a lot of venture capital money that's going into that as a as an investment you know medium. So so just a lot of business opportunity going at the time.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the things that's so cool about this is, obviously, as all these things are getting built up and, and the industry is growing and more people want to get involved, um, you're now teaching about esports, right? So like, what is, what is it like to, to be teaching a course? Uh, just for, And what level Is it, is it a college course?
1: What- yeah, it's a college course. Yeah. So I, we started teaching from 2018 at a university, at Keio University in Japan. And uh, it was an esports dedicated course. And honestly, when we started out, we didn't know how much well-received this is going to be. So we started off small. So we started off as a accredited uh, graduate-level course. And we were expecting about 10 people tops. But on the actual first day, there were 20 people. And half of them were undergrad students and we interviewed them one by one like why are you here and they said they have to take it because they've never seen this kind of course before (laughs) so they don't need any credits at all okay right (laughs) so that's how it is and and then so okay then we got a lot of media exposure uh television broadcasting. they came to us and interview and stuff and the way we uh organize is that so as doing someone doing an esports uh consulting business we gave a, a overview to the students and every week, we had a guest speaker, so guest speakers who's actually doing an eSports business. So it could be a game publisher, it could be an event organizer. So for example, we have Microsoft, we have Alibaba, we have HP, or we have a professional eSports team coming every week. So that shared their part of the story. And at the end of it, each student group uh, gives them, give us a presentation. So basically throw us a pitch, like if you are to uh, propose to a hypothetical client on eSports business, what would it be? so and you know and we had all the guest speakers all gathered up together and doing a q a session and you know if thing goes well maybe some of the students they think they want to hire them so it kind of you know kind of relates to the hiring process as well so that was the first year just to give you a nutshell but yeah. the second year so we put this forward to a uh, undergrad level and undergrad level so the the maximum capacity was 70 people the first day uh, 180 people showed up and uh <laughs> and it was just a blast. And you know it's been like that, and uh, we've been we've been very fortunate to have this opportunity and still still continuing. so uh we're we're also teaching uh, this 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 semester as well, so we're, we're likely to continue this for for good years. yeah,
0: it, it certainly sounds like you're on track to be doing it for a couple of years and and it's so cool because like the the best examples I can think of, of of times where I've heard about a course being offered and it just got flooded like that. I remember there's points where colleges did courses on, like, Harry Potter when that was yeah. really popular and stuff like that. It just, but but the thing is, like, Harry Potter is a book series that begins and ends, and then, like, there's been some other little stuff. But this whole industry, this is a living, breathing. There's new games every year. It's always growing, and, it, and it's that's why it's so cool to see all this and, and naturally why people are going to be signing up. And I guess for you to be at the center of all of this and, and see how it's all continuing to grow, like – as you're putting all of this and trying to put it into a book is there anything that like maybe didn't quite fit in or or maybe there's a little detail that like you you just you feel like didn't get enough love like I just want to hear about those kinds of little parts of it you know
1: yeah yeah yeah. Oh, oh man that's a really good question so thanks for bringing it up so I had a dilemma when I first writing this book because I mean I'm a business consultant, so I'm a right for a business book, business audience. But then, then after that epiphany with my mother-in-law, I thought, <laughs> okay, maybe I should switch to this more of a general public. So that it became, it has become more of a general public book. But I I had I have that you know appetite to write a, a business book, by the way. And and, and actually, as a, in the firm, we actually release another business. A book a primer on esports business. Uh, in June with the uh, a- um, newspaper, big, big name newspaper here in Ike, but only Japanese by the way. <laughs> so I, I, I'm hoping that, you know, at some point I, 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 I'll be able to, you know, have another an, another shot at a more of a business focused book and because there's just so much thing going on if you consider about the entire ecosystem. But at the same time, I mean, there's a lot of analogy going on with the traditional sports business, but at the same time, like being a game, if you look into that the game IP side of it, it's like there's just so much, so much opportunities in terms of the digital contents and how you can do the secondary use and all that so it's like there it's it's for me it's a pure gold mine you know, so <laughs> yeah
0: Yeah. And I could like, you know, and the energy you've got, like the way you're smiling, I can totally see it and feel it. You know, it's, it's awesome, man. And that's the thing. It's like, I see all this stuff and I just get so geeked out about it. I just see like, cause for me, I mean, for them to be building an esports arena in my hometown right now (laughs) is like super exciting because they're trying to be a a cultural center in the U S for where these big tournaments happen. And you see that they're global tournaments and all. So what does that bring? It's kind of like having the Olympics all year round in, in your backyard. So it's, it's just really cool with all of that. Now, and, and here's the other thing. Here's what I'm going to ask, because for you, uh, like, part of this is, I mean, first off, you grew up with games, right? Like, were you were you playing games a lot as a kid?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, NES, started with Mario, and then, yeah. you know, I was a Japanese game, you know, Fanatic. So Super Nintendo, Final Fantasy, I was more of an RPG guy. And, okay. And, yeah, and PlayStation a little bit, and then kind of, you know, kind of stopped playing. And then now my play, my kids are playing I started to play together, Fortnite, and recently I've just played a game called uh, The Ghost of Tsushima, which was fantastic. But I've right heard so, so much about that. Okay, wow, That game is good, man. That <laughs> oh, game is man. dope, man. This is crazy. <laughs> I'm going
0: to have to check that out, man. Yeah, I've had enough yeah. people be like, dude, you got to play. I've just been stuck on Overwatch is my problem. I just play Overwatch oh, yeah. all the time. I love that <laughs> game. Good, man. Man. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: great. It's great. It's great. Good. And, and and of course, StarCraft. When I was growing up, was big. And uh, but I never, I, I was never good at like you know like in a professional level. It just like casual. You know, I, it, even among my friends, I was more in the the, the, the worst side than the good side. I was, to be honest with you. It's, but yeah, but I'm I'm totally fine with that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's all about having fun. And and I guess that's right. that's kind of my question is like, what's the game you've had the most fun playing over the years? You know, like what's like if you could just sit down and play one thing right now, what would you play?
1: So, I mean, since I already cleared it, I mean, I was going to say go of Tsushima, but now, I mean, if I think of it in the more of an esports realm, uh, I, I definitely enjoy playing Fortnite together with my kids because, you know, as being a father, uh, trying to strike up a conversation with your sons, who's like six and eight now, it's it could be Quite challenging if you don't have this topic interesting topic to talk about it. For example, I mean, I mean if I ask him like, what did you have for dinner today? It's like, they're, they're, they're not going to answer it, but, <laughs> but. The moment, we, the moment we get into Fortnite and start chatting, voice chat together, I mean, they're all over the place. Like, dad, pick that up, dad, shoot him, shoot him, shoot you know, kill him, kill him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're having so much, like, <laughs> tactical conversation going on. And, you know, and once you get that victory royale together, once in a while that happens because yeah. I'm so bad at it. But I mean, that energy that, you know, as a team that, you know, and they start talking about it like that, you're so good at that. And, you know, that companionship that you build up with your kid, that's just something that I never experienced while I was growing up. And I think this is something very unique that, you know, maybe a generation or above us also should try to take use of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and like, for me, I, I played a little bit of video games with my dad when I was a kid, you know, cause I had the original mm. NES and it yeah. was basically like that they had a game for rescue Rangers, like Chip and Dale rescue Rangers from Disney. And <laughs> I remember the, that. I remember yeah, that. that was my game, man. That was my game. And, and I used to play that a lot. And I like, my dad would play with me, but he wasn't any good. And I was playing all the time. So for a five-year-old, that was pretty good, you know? And I, like, I would just be picking them up and carrying them with me through the whole game. Cause he just didn't know what he was doing. So it was just yeah. funny how it works. So for you, actually be like confident and playing with your kids and winning rounds and all that's awesome and like I I think we're gonna see a lot more of that and that's why again like this whole thing is just so exciting it feels like such a big change in in how everybody looks at all of this and and I'm glad we could talk about it all and that's why everybody for you listening you need to buy the book okay buy the book demystifying esports a personal guide to the history and future of competitive gaming and the author who's been joining us here Barrow Hewn Barrow thank you so much man this has been awesome it's been great
1: no thank you so much much friends for having me. It was it was fantastic and let's keep in touch.